We definitely hope to see you guys uh, at the summit. Again, we're partnering with Celebration Baptist Church, who are broadcasting the summit in August. Uh, I have been, I think, to every single summit, either through a satellite location or on, on site at, at Willow since it began, uh, since in 2004, I think. I may have missed one or two in there, but let me tell you, um, my life has been altered um, critically because of the summit. And so I really, really also add my voice, and Mark would add his voice as well, to say you should be here, you should be there. You should be there if, whether you know you're a leader or not because what tends to happen at the summit is people get really inspired and they get really challenged, but sometimes they also get hijacked. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of folks that'll come in the doors of an event like that and they'll be like, I'm not a leader, I'm just a dude, I'm just a girl, whatever. And then uh, a talk will happen or a moment will happen and God will unveil something in their lives that, that they did not expect. And lives, and I dare say, like eternities, will be altered because of what happens. So definitely, definitely make space to get there. Uh, check out CCB, which is our online community, if you want details about it. Or you can talk to Mark or myself or any of the pastors. Check us out at the Pathways booth. We will give you what you need to get there. Um, so it's a really, really busy day around E3 today. I just want to highlight a couple things that are, that are going. You should have gotten wind of some of these events uh, we're here today, right after this gathering begins first class, which is a simple, short little um, walk through E3 and the way E3 works. So if you're new to our community, you want to find out how E3 works, what some possible next steps to get them plugged in, meet in the back of the room right there with Pastor Dan. He'll walk you through some of those things. At 1230 in this space, we're going to have something called an all-in gathering. This is an invitation, open invitation to anybody who calls E3 home. And if you're like, look, I am down with the vision. I'm in with the vision. I'm in with the mission. Come, come and sit uh, and spend like 20, 30 minutes with us today. This is a space where we just are really honest. We're raw. We're unfiltered. We just talk about what's going on in E3 in a very, very honest way. So we have a special one today. They're not always on Sundays, but show up for that. And then tonight, first Sunday worship, six o'clock. Um, band is going to come back together put together a set of music for those of us who just really want to rest in God's presence, experience him deeply. Man, we just relax. There's no message. So you don't have to listen to me rattle on or about anything. We just play music. We let God show up and he dictates what we do and where we go. So big event, big day. Show up, be with us. Today we're starting this new series called Endless Summer, The Search for a Balanced Life. I used to have a friend of mine when I was in my 20s, and he hated the, the term balance. He was like, I don't want a balanced life. I want a like wildly out of control life. And I'm like, well, let's see how that works out for you in 20 years. Um, this series is, is born out of a couple different things. It's the beginning of, of summer. And uh, going into the summer, you know, some of us have had kids that are, are already home from school. We already sent Levi away to one camp, and he's back. We're about to ship him off to another one. Just keep that boy as tired as possible. Um, summer is here, and, and it's my experience that some of us limp into the summer, especially if you're a parental type or maybe you're a student. Man, you've just finished school. You've crossed the finish line, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, it's summer. Finally, a chance to relax and, uh, and, and take your foot off the accelerator. But it's been my experience that if you don't do summer right, just as often as not, 
some of the same people will be in this room in August and be like, oh my gosh, summer's over. I'm so ready for the fall. <laughs> and so what we, what we thought about was like, hey, how can we resource you guys to actually do summer right? You know, how many people have ever done summer wrong? And like you end up at the end of summer and you're like, man, how is this possible? I'm like more tired now and more exhausted now than I was when I started this thing. So we're gonna take five weeks and just offer up some really practical suggestions on how to do summer the right way. This, uh, this comes out of biblically a tradition called uh, wisdom literature. And, and I, wanna be, I wanna start off with sort of a confession that um, I, have, I have favorite books of the Bible and I have not so favorite books of the Bible, okay? Is that too much for people? Because like, I'm just being honest. Like, there's some books of the Bible, in fact, I'd say about 64 of them, or 65, there's 66, that I, man, I eat them up. I'll just go through them, I go through them repeatedly. But there's one book that just gets me, and that's the book of Proverbs, right? And it's partly, I don't know if you ever read the book of Proverbs, but Proverbs, uh, huge sections of Proverbs are just one-liners, you know? Get up early so you can start your day right. It's like your mom. It's like having a mom in the Bible. <laughs> and I want to be honest. Like, I'm not saying that this book is somehow inferior or anything. Like, I'm a type of person who likes to ask why. I like to engage. Like, what's going on behind the language? There's nothing going on behind the language of Proverbs. It's like, hey, do this or you're an idiot. Um, and that just doesn't jive with me too often. And I don't like Proverbs in general because I'm a type of person that always would say, well, why? Why should I do that? Why should I? I'm that person, right? Um, rules and I don't always get along very well. And I don't know how, how you guys feel about this, but I, I thought before we delved into some text today, I would start off with just some Proverbs that I have found out because some of these things are really good ideas, some of them not so much. So here's some Proverbs you may have heard before. Uh, if you grew up in the north or where there's snow on the ground, good proverb is don't eat yellow snow. It's not a bad idea. Here's another one. Never pass up an opportunity to pee. The, the pregnant ladies are like, yes. Here's one. Anything is possible if you don't know what you're talking about. I like this one. Everyone has a six-pack. Some of us just carry it inside a refrigerator. <laughs> Life isn't like a box of chocolates. It's more like a jar of jalapenos. What you do today might burn your butt tomorrow. <laughs> it, hey, you came to church for this. A man with both feet firmly on the ground is a man who cannot get his pants off. <laughs> and then the last one, this is well worth the price of your coffee this morning. Never under any circumstances take a sleeping pill and a laxative on the same night. <laughs> Proverbs. Proverbs. Like, it's good advice. And I, I challenge you, if you've never read the book of Proverbs, there are sections of Proverbs that are just like, man, I, okay, that's good advice, but is that like, that really Bible-worthy, right? So uh, it, it is Bible-worthy. Let me show you how the book of Proverbs actually begins, okay? Um, Proverbs 1, verse 1. It says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. 
Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise, and their riddles. And fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Just a word there. I love the way it ends. But some of us hear that word fear of the Lord and, and it, it evokes a lot of uh, confusions, particularly when you, we sing songs like we just sang, you know. You delight in showing mercy and mercy triumphs over judgment. So is, is God a God of fear or is God a God, a God of mercy? Well, he's kind of both, really. But uh, in particular, like fear of the Lord in, a, in an Old Testament sense does involve a sense of God is a dangerous God. Like you can't tame him, Right? He's not tameable. He's not even necessarily safe. He's a little bit on the wild side. <laughs> but fear in the Old Testament sense also has an awful lot to do with reverence and awe. So when you come across a text like that, you don't instantly go, oh, so I should be afraid of God. No, it really just means, look, treat God with a certain degree of reverence and respect. So when you encounter things out of the Bible or when you encounter a moment where you're just like, man, this is... This seems like really true. This is really true stuff. This seems like it's from God. Uh, the text would just say, look, like treat it with respect. Don't just like shove it to the side. Well, you know, let me see what, you know, some other person says about that. So um, I read that to say that even though Proverbs are kind of one-liners and, and even I have trouble like just reading them and not being able to ask why or what the context is about them, the purpose of wisdom is to help me lead a successful life. The purpose of, of good ideas, the purpose of Proverbs is to help me point my life in a certain direction, right? And I think when I'm honest, I need that, you know? If, if not, I will wander all over the place. So at a certain point, I have to acknowledge that as crazy as all these one-liners in Proverbs are, the intention is to help me steward my life well. And so what we're doing for the summer is trying to give you guys resources to steward your summers and steward your lives well, right? It's not just these are cool advice, this is cool advice, or these things sound good, or we read them somewhere. These are just some good ideas to say, look, man, you've got three months, you've got six weeks where it's summertime, like, Let's try to get to August and not need a vacation from our vacation. Let's not get to August and be like, man, I need a break from my break because my break broke me, whether it's financially or, or physically. So I want to start off today with actually a story also out of the Old Testament about a guy named Elijah. So in 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to start reading just a few verses and I want to highlight, again, the idea of wisdom and the summer and stewarding our time. So we're starting in verse 3. I'll give some context to this after I read it. This guy named Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. 
He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Oh, hot bread. And so he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And if you know that text at all, God and Elijah have, a, have an exchange. But the way the text starts out, Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life, okay? And if you were just reading this, you'd be like, oh my gosh, something awful must have just happened to Elijah because he's freaked out. And even he says to, uh, to God, to the angel of God, messenger of God, look, I, I just wanna die. Life is so awful right now, I just wanna die. If you were just reading that text, you'd be like, wow, man, rough day for Elijah. But if you were to actually read what happened just prior to that, you'd actually discover that Elijah, rather than coming off of a low point in his life, he's actually coming off a peak moment in his life. Elijah was a prophet. And in the Old Testament, the prophets are like rock stars of Israel. Uh, they are messengers of God. They are passionate people. They're associated with a lot of miracles and a lot of challenge, a lot of confrontation with either the rulers of Israel or people who are trying to steer Israel aside. Elijah is one of these guys. And in, in 1 Kings 18, he has a confrontation with what they call the prophets of Baal or Baal, this other God, this pagan God in Israel. And Elijah, on one side, is faced with uh, dozens and dozens of prophets of Baal. And they have this supernatural, like, miracle-working contest. And Elijah just knocks it out of the park. He, he literally kills it, then he kills all the prophets. That's another story. Um, the point being, like, he is coming off of the highest points of his career. He's hit the home run. And yet something snaps inside of him. And rather than riding the tide of like, man, I've just killed it. Anybody ever like, I don't know, close a deal or just done something and you just like walk away and you're like, man, I killed it. I feel so good right now. And you ride that tide. But something happens to Elijah and he's like, you know what? Actually, I want to die. I want to die. I just want to get out. And so when God shows up to him in this cave, really the emphasis in the, in the exchange with God is, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, why are you in the cave? Because you were just in the game and you were knocking it out of the park. What brought you to this place of wilderness, of desolation? Elijah, what are you doing here? Okay? And so, again, to circle back, some of us are here. It's June. It's the first Sunday in June. In August, all right, are you gonna be in a cave or are you gonna be in the game? Because some of us, let's face it, are not coming off of the crest, right? Some of us haven't closed the deal. Some of us are limping right now, right? 
and to get to the end of summer when you're supposed to have rested more, when you're supposed to have refueled, when you're supposed to have breathed in a little bit. Okay, all right. Ease off the gas pedal a little bit more. In the fall, are you gonna find yourself in a cave? And either God or Mark or myself are gonna knock on your door or send you an email and go like, hey, what are you doing here? Because the last time I checked, summer was supposed to be about resetting. And I gotta tell you, I have a vested interest in this because I don't know if you know this, uh, but around E3, we have two primary ministry seasons from about August, September to Christmas and January to May when school gets out. And in the summertime is our time around here to rest and reset and re-envision. So what I don't want to see happen is for myself or Mark to sit up here in August or September and go, all right, team, you guys ready? And we look out on a room like this and what we see is this. I'm so tired. Or we see people like, we call for like, hey, we need volunteers, and we just see like the subtle like slump down in the seat, like if I slump down, Mark won't see me. Like we have a vested interest in this because when we hit the ground running in August and September and we look out and we go, look guys, this is where we're going, right? The ministry season is upon us. We have a mission to proclaim the gospel of Jesus to, to this world. What we want is to look out and see people who are like, man, all right, I got my time away. I am not in the cave. Put me in, I'm ready to play. I'm good, right? So um, we just want to get at this question is, how do you really rest? Because some of us like to think we know how to rest. You know, we pop up the easy chair, we put on Netflix, and six hours later, we binge watch, you know, Peaky Blinders or House of Cards or whatever. And yet we don't feel better about ourselves. And I think if, if my own life is any example, I know that I don't know how to rest very well. And sometimes I need wisdom. And people to come alongside and say, you know what, actually what you really want to do is maybe think about doing a couple different practices. So one week, a practice. This week's practice is we're just going to go straight at it. First thing we're going to talk about is unplugging. Unplugging, right? And so all you, some of you guys are already uncomfortable because you're like, man, could you not talk about that? Because I'm on my, because I'm checking my Snapchat right now, and I can't really pay attention. Um, unplugging really used to meant, uh, used to mean like turning off the TV. You know, I grew up you know, in the 80s a lot of times, so unplugging just meant literally unplugging the television or turning it off and playing board games, which I despise. But nevertheless, like you have your family time and you hang out. Well, things have changed now, right? Like it's harder to unplug because you know we have these little things that we, that we carry around with us now, right? That are TVs and stereos and little computers, and there also happen to be phones sometimes. And these things are with us always, 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 always. And they're with us when we go on vacation. And they're with us when we're at the beach sometimes. And they're with us when we're at dinners. And they're with us when we're in intimate conversations with family that maybe we don't see except in the summer. 
they're never not around anymore. And so the first thing I wanna tell you to, to think about this summer is your relationship with this little rectangular device, okay? Cell phones are funny things to me. The first thing that, that's kind of funny and they actually impact our, our summer is um, I can just assume that some of you guys are gonna go do some cool stuff this summer. Anybody got a really cool vacation? Okay, a few guys, okay? Um, like, you're gonna go places. You're gonna see amazing sights. You're gonna see people you haven't seen before. You're gonna wanna take pictures, okay? And so, yes, you know, it's great to have the camera uh, here, and you pull it out and you take pictures and maybe you post them or whatever. But there's a funny thing. There's a point at which taking pictures becomes counterproductive to the experience. Anybody know exactly what I'm talking about? There's a point at which we're taking so many pictures that this little device might as well be like a wall between us and our family or us and the place that we're at, you know? One way this plays itself out for me is, you know, because I, I like music a lot, I always am fascinated by people taking cell phone videos at concerts, you know, because like this is what a cell phone, if you don't know, and if, if you haven't really like checked yourself, let me just say, this is what a cell phone video looks like and sounds like at a concert. Check this out. Okay, that's all well and good, right? Okay, it's a cell phone video, you know? Oh, I just needed to show somebody I was there. Well, really? Okay, like, to, this is the way my mind works. Here's the way that song actually sounded. This is the same tour just a couple nights later. point is don't take cell phone video. The point is, is that there gets to be a point at which shooting video and taking photographs actually shrinks an experience. It doesn't make it bigger. And we'd say, oh, I just wanted to show people I was there. Well, can't you just like tell people and trust your memory and trust your, your ability to communicate it? I, if you're anything like me, I have shot video at experiences and never watched the video again. Anybody? right? And like you're going through your phone like a year and a half later, you're like, what, what even is that? I'm... Like, delete, right? It's like, just think through what your relationship is with your phone. I remember when cell phone, when the game for me really started to change, and it really, the cell phone game really started to change when Sprint came out with this, uh, I don't even remember what it was, Sprint Nextel, right? And I was having a, uh, conversation with a buddy of mine over lunch. And all of a sudden, out of his belt buckle or belt, his boss is like, uh, Keith, 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 are you there? And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, and I don't know if you, do you guys remember the tagline for the Nextel, uh, Nextel thing? The tagline for the ad campaign was, you're never out of touch. 
And I'm like, yeah, you're never out of touch. Because like, well, I'm trying to have a conversation with this guy and his boss is like, yeah, Keith, I need just a report. I need those TPS reports. Where can you talk about it? And Keith, he's like rolling his eyes. And I'm like, can you not stop that thing? And he's like, not really. I'm never out of touch. <laughs> and that's kind of where things started. But man, it, it actually got a little bit worse for most of us, right? And, and if we're honest, I would say most of us have a, we're not on the winning end of this relationship right now, you know? Some of us, we don't have cell phones. Our, our cell phones have us, okay? I remember uh, I was doing the music once for a wedding up in Virginia, and, a, and a, I won't say his name, but a really, really well-known televangelist was officiating the wedding, okay? It's a really surreal experience, but uh, the two folks getting married, I think they were doing a unity candle or lighting something. I'm standing up there with a guitar and this guy, and he's got a suit, and all of a sudden I hear the, the, buzz, the buzz noise, you know, that we think no one can hear, but everybody can hear. And I look over and this guy turns around and in the middle of the ceremony, he does the thing where he like kind of holds his suit jacket out so that things nobody can see. He's checking his phone in the middle of the ceremony. I'm like, dude, have some class, right? I went to see a concert uh, about a year and a half ago. We were sitting, we were in the Civic Center. We were sitting kind of in the low balcony so we could see out over the floor. And the concert's going on. And, uh, and again, like what I see across the, the floor is everybody just like taking in the concert like this. Like, I'm like, you're, there's this between you and what's going on. And what I found really interesting is actually it was, it was people like my age. It was older folks. Like the young people, I would actually say, kind of had it down there. They were just like, yeah, like, let's just have some fun. Let's have it. But mom and dad were like, I just got to get this on. It's going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. And then just last night, right, um, we were at a restaurant with some friends of ours. Uh, there was a couple sitting uh, at a booth right here, and then a couple, and I, I don't think you're in the room, so I can go ahead and say this, a couple over there. And if you guys ever been, like, seen somebody, and they're kind of on a date, but they're sitting across from each other, and each person is just like this. And again, these weren't young folks. These were, like, people my age, right? They're just, like, sitting there, and I'm like, do you know that there's, like, another person? And they're kind of, like, probably, you know, again, tweet, tweeting, this date is so lame. Can't wait to quit it. <laughs> Like, if we, don't, if we don't kind of dictate the relationship we want to have with our cell phones, it's going to dictate to us, okay? So there is no deep exegesis of Hebrew or Greek coming, you know? If, if you really want to rest, if you really want to refuel, if you really want to reset yourself over the summer, I challenge you to take a look at, at this, you know? Uh, these things are not going away. And uh, they will really, really dictate uh, your life. And I think you guys know what it's like to be in a situation where you're trying to hang out with somebody and they're trying to talk and you're trying to talk and just over and over again, you're like, um, can I get a word in edgewise? Um, I, I'm trying to figure out, um, can I just talk? Can I, what, what? The notifications just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. There's a phone call. For real? It's happened. 
I'm getting so many alerts, I can't even put my phone in airplane mode. So I'm just going to do the impossible and, and slide my phone off because if it went on, it would just annoy the tar out of you. A few years ago, I came up with this idea that like, I realized that when I got my smartphone, that I, my life was starting to be run by what I just called the red dots. All the alert badges on my phone. I counted them up between gatherings, okay? I, this does not include the text messages I got during the 9 a.m. gathering, which I told a bunch of people to text me to make a point. I got like something like 300 text messages in. But outside of that, I have 47 unrecognized alert badges on my phone. I don't know how many you, you have. I just told them all the screens. I was like, okay, there's eight, there's nine, there's whatever. And I don't know if you're like me, but that causes me a certain amount of anxiety. I was like, man, there's 12 things I have to know about. There's 47 things that I don't know about what's going on. And it's a reality. Like our phones uh, change the way we experience reality. I've got a friend of mine and she introduced me to this term FOMO. Anybody ever heard it? Fear of missing out. You know, and they used to be a part of this community and now like she, uh, they moved away and whenever they see things put on Facebook or Twitter, she, I get to FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. And the, part of, and the point of that is, is that like we get so preoccupied with what's going on in our Twitter feed or what's going on somewhere else that we become detached from what's going on right in front of us. And so again, I'm just supposing that this summer, you're gonna be at the beach with, with people you care about. You're gonna be in restaurants with people you care about. You're gonna be with family. And these things are gonna keep coming. And every time that you like kind of rob those people to, to check your phone, I wanna suggest to you that you're actually robbing yourself of the opportunity to refresh yourself and reset yourself over the summer. So what do we do about it? Well, again, there's not gonna be any kind of like brilliant insight. Um, I had my phone for like two years before I even knew how to turn it off. <laughs> Anybody else like that? Because the, the idea of turning my phone off was so foreign to me. And then some, I got so, I got so exacerbated one day that I was like, I've got to turn this thing off. <laughs> now, how do I do it? And I actually had to Google, how do I turn my phone off? Or uh, for most of us, you know, let's be honest, like, do not disturb in airplane mode. Really viable options. But we think somehow, like, that the world would end if we did that. Can, I, can, I, can we be honest? We're like, I would never do that. That's crazy talk. So the, the suggestions are simply this. When you find yourself on vacation, at the beach, with your family, uh, at the Grand Canyon, in Europe, I don't know, whatever you're gonna do, man, take your phone and do one of three things with it. Put it on airplane mode, turn it off, or just don't even take it with you. Just leave it somewhere. And the funny thing is about it, as simple as those things are, I know there's people who cannot make that step because it took me a long time. And if you try it, what's gonna be funny is that you're gonna be like freaked out. Anybody ever, like there's actually, anybody ever have, had the phantom phone ring in your, like where you don't even have your phone like in your pocket and you're like, I think my phone just went off. And you're like, 
It's not even in my pocket. Like, that's going to happen, right? And, uh, but you'll get over it. I got over it, right? And I, I was just out to lunch with my wife, and she's like, hey, can you, can you check something on your phone? I'm like, I don't have it. And she was like, you don't have your phone with you? And I'm like, no, I don't have my phone with me. And, 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 and I was present. I was there instead of there, or instead of seeing what was going on in, you know, Ukraine or in Africa through Twitter or whatever. I was there. And I think there is where refreshment and resetting and refueling and, and refreshing, being present, that's where that happens, okay? So do not disturb, airplane mode, leave it behind, power it off. And that's all good, but I just wanna end with, with the idea that like these are not just, it's just like Proverbs, it's just, it's just like wisdom. Um, these little physical disciplines that we engage in actually say a lot about ourselves and about the world. They actually reflect pretty deep spiritual realities, right? And at the heart of that is like, where do we live our lives? Do we live our lives just in this space? Is this where we're spiritual? Is in this space? Is this where we live out our life with God just in these walls? Or do actually we live our life with God out in, those, out in that world with our families, where we have opportunities to be engaged or being disengaged. And what I've come to learn is like, man, like what I do out there is really just as important as what I do here, if not more so. Out there is actually where I have to live my life. That's where the, the, the rubber meets the road, right? And uh, the three realities I just wanna leave you with that I discovered uh, when I really started to get a handle on my phone, because I actually have a pretty good handle on my phone. I'm pretty good about disengaging. Is the first thing is this. I had to discover that I'm not as important as I think I am. Because there's something about these red dots and something about the text messages that every time I get one, I feel a little bit validated. Look how much people like me. Look how much people need me. I'm important. One of my favorite bands from the 90s was this band called Counting Crows, and I was a huge fan, and Adam Duritz is a great lyricist, and he wrote this, this line on their second record. Uh, this line says, I'm waiting for the telephone to tell me I'm alive. And it's just this idea that like, he, he wasn't secure in himself that if, if he didn't get a phone call, if we don't get a text message, if we don't get the tag on Twitter, if we don't get the tag on Snapchat, somehow I'm less of a human being. Right? And in the conversely, the more we get that, the more important I think I am. The first couple Sundays that I was away from E3, like I would just go do something on a Sunday, you know, I would half dread but half welcome the alerts, on, the, the text message on Sunday mornings. Because at, at their heart was a thought of like, they can't do this without me. They'll never make it without me. And the first couple times I was away, you know, like, hey, Eric, you know, where did you put the guitar strings? Eric, where's this? And I don't text. And then one day they didn't come. And the first thought was like, they don't need me anymore. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, guess what? They don't. I'm not as important as I think I am. That's actually okay. Because I don't need anything else to feed this ego. Trust me. The second thing, which is related, is uh, our families and our teams at work are much more capable than we think they are. Because again, if you travel and your phone is, is tied to your work, you know, when you just keep 
contacting with them and you're like, you know, hey, don't worry, don't, I'll do this for you, this will happen, this happened. What we're doing is we're eroding their ability to, to grow and to take their own chances to stumble and pick themselves up and learn. Same thing with my kids, you know. When are you gonna come home and cook dinner? You get hungry enough, you'll figure it out. They're more capable than we think. And then the last thing I would just leave you this is at the same time, I'm not as important as I think I am, but I'm actually much more valuable than my job and my career. And when I began to separate myself from my phone and from the notifications and from the alert, I could finally like sit in a space where I'm just like, man, who am I? Because now I don't have this crutch that's constantly telling me how important I am. I was actually able to sit and be silent and hear from, from my heavenly father you know, the thing that, that Jesus heard, which I believe every believer hears, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I'm pleased with you. And I was able to go, man, okay, I've got this great job, I've got this calling, I've got this, this thing that I give my life to, but guess what, you know what, I'm a lot more than that. And if my phone never rings again, that's all right. That's all right, because I've got this, God that tells me, hey, you're not just a career. You're not just an achievement device. You are a son and a daughter of the most high God. And that's enough, right? So uh, next week, we're just gonna keep processing through this stuff. And I, I, I want to encourage you guys to take some of these disciplines and just take them in. It's like, don't go cold turkey from your phone. Maybe just try like five minutes. <laughs> hey, just go slow. I don't want people freaking out. But definitely consider it. Don't get at the end of the summer and be like, I wish I would, I really wish I would have taken a break. Because it's there. We just gotta know how to do it. Let's stand for closing prayer.